0: Box 13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives, and follow us on Twitter at radiodetectives. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. And if you've not already, I do encourage you to check out my ebooks, All I Needed to Know, I Learned from Columbo, and All I Needed to Know, I Learned from Dragnet. These ebooks examine the careers and histories of seven great fictional detectives and policemen, as well as life lessons that can be learned from them. They're available wherever fine ebooks are sold, or as audiobooks through Audible.com or the Apple Store. Well, now it's time for this week's episode of Mr. Chameleon. Now, from March the 23rd, 1949, here is The Dinner of Death Murder Case.
1: Next, Mr. Chameleon and the Dinner of Death Murder Case. Tonight, we again present the famous Mr. Chameleon of Central Headquarters in his most famous cases of crime and murder, brought to you by the makers of genuine Bayer Aspirin. Mr. Chameleon, as you all know, is the famous and dreaded detective of Central Police Headquarters who frequently uses a disguise or impersonation to confuse the criminals he is tracking down. In tonight's case, he appears both as himself, Mr. Chameleon, and in an especially clever and effective disguise. Tonight we give you Mr. Chameleon in The Dinner of Death Murder Case. The scene of tonight's chameleon case is in a home like countless others in this land of ours, a home like yours or mine a home where the last thing expected or believed possible is that the hand of murder and suspicion will strike to bring tragedy and horror. It is in the home of Herbert Martin on the evening of the maid's day out as Herbert, his young wife, Eloise, and his daughter, Lucy, only a few years her junior, are seated at a dinner table and we hear Herbert saying,
2: If I were asked to name the luckiest man I know, I'd say... Now, what do you think? I'd say Herbert Martin, that's myself.
3: How nice, Herbert! Oh, Father, you're sweet.
2: <laughs> Two beautiful girls and a beautiful dinner prepared for an old duffer like me with their own hands.
3: Uh, here's your plate, Father.
2: Yeah. smells wonderful. What is it?
3: The way to find out is to taste it, Herbert.
2: Mm, it's mm, good. Tastes like Augustin at the Cafe Blanc himself had a hand in it. I. Uh,
3: uh... Father, you look ill. Father, what's wrong? Herbert, what's happened?
2: Uh, It must be my heart. (laughs) Call the doctor, Eloise. I'm I'm dreadfully ill.
4: I'm... uh... Father! Father!
1: But it wasn't Herbert Martin's heart... It was murder. The family dinner prepared by the two people he loved the most concealed the hand of death. And a few minutes later, we hear the commissioner of police assigning the famous Mr. Chameleon to one of the strangest cases of his career. Now,
2: the facts are these, Chameleon. Mm -hmm. Herbert Martin, according to his doctor's report, was
5: poisoned at dinner. No doubt with a poison whose symptoms are the same as tomaine poisoning, isn't it, Commissioner? Yes, that's it, all right, Chameleon, but who told you? Well, let's call it a good guess, Commissioner. Let's go with
6: that. Well, the address is 3344 Burton Street.
5: I'm on my way. Oh, there you are, Detective Sergeant Arnold. Get out a squad car, quick. What's up, Mr. Chameleon? Murder. (laughs) Murder. Here's the house, Mr. Chameleon.
3: Right. Oh, you're from the police?
5: Yes, Chameleon of Central Headquarters.
3: Mr. Chameleon!
5: No doubt you are the murdered man's uh, Herbert Martin's daughter.
3: No, I'm his wife.
5: His wife? I'm sorry, I understood I was to see his daughter. Uh,
3: Lucy, that's his daughter, is here. I'll take you to her. Did you call me Eloise? Oh, who's this? Mr. Chameleon. The detective.
5: And this is Detective Sergeant Arnold. Good evening. The commissioner of police told me that Mr. Martin was poisoned at dinner.
3: Oh, I can't bear to think of it. To think such a dreadful thing should have happened to my husband. We, we had a salmon and celery salad. It must have been tainted. Yes, I'm sure that was it.
5: Well, I've heard of uh, many such cases recently. Violent tomain cases.
3: Oh, if only we hadn't had canned salmon. It was your idea to have salmon, Eloise. Lucy, dear, don't you remember... <laughs> You suggested it first. She's terribly upset, Mr. Chameleon. Uh,
5: Who else beside Mr. Martin ate this salad?
3: All of us had it, Mr. Chameleon.
5: Who prepared it? The maid?
3: Why, Lucy and I prepared it together. This is the maid's night out.
5: So all of you ate this fatal salad, but only one of you was poisoned.
3: What do you mean by that, Mr. Chameleon? Yes, what do you mean?
5: I mean that when three people eat poisoned food, all three are poisoned, and if only one is poisoned... But,
3: Mr. Chameleon...
5: Who prepared the salad? Now, you say the maid was out, so who did prepare it?
3: Lucy and I prepared it together. Mm -hmm. That's right, Mr. Chameleon. Eloise and I prepared it together. And
5: all of you ate it together, yet one of the three died.
3: I can't understand it. I think
5: I can. One serving was poisoned, two were not. And that means murder. Do
3: you mean to say... I mean
5: to say that somebody murdered your father, Miss Lucy. Now tell me, who served the death food to Herbert Martin?
3: I don't remember. Eloise brought all three servings in on a tray. And you passed the tray, Lucy. Not that that makes any difference, darling. Was any
5: outsider in the kitchen when you were preparing dinner?
3: Only Dick Reynolds, but he left before dinner. Eloise, why bring Dick into this? You know very well... Why should not
5: his name be brought in, Miss Lucy? And who is Dick Reynolds? And what is his connection with his family?
3: Just a boy Lucy's in love with. Well, suppose I am in love with him, but no more in love with him than you are, Eloise.
5: What? Both of you in love with him?
3: That's not true, Mr. Chameleon. It's just a silly, jealous girl's idea. You know it's not true, Lucy. That's why my father's dead, Mr. Chameleon.
5: Eloise, when were you (laughs) married to Herbert Martin?
3: Ten months ago.
5: Why did you marry him?
3: Because I loved him. And because you had two children, no husband, and no way of earning a living. And you needed a roof over your head. That's why. Is that
5: true, Eloise? I
3: loved Herbert.
5: Were you left with two children and no money?
3: Two little girls. Twins. Herbert adored them.
5: Well, they must be very young. You and your stepdaughter are almost the same age, aren't you? Eloise
3: is 28, and I'm 24, Mr. Camellia. Oh, what could have made father do this? And
5: these uh, twins of yours, Eloise.
3: They'll be three years old next month.
5: How long before your marriage to Herbert Martin did your first husband, the father of these children, die?
3: Five months before. But what's
5: that? A mother's love, Mrs. Martin, is a very great love. In the name of it, many things are done, often distasteful things, things that are later regretted.
3: If you're implying something by that, Mr. Chameleon... I'm implying
5: I... that love for your children could have led to a marriage for security and then regret. Stop! Stop! And the cause of that regret could have been named, let us say, Mr. Dick Reynolds. Well, what do you say to that, eh, Louise?
3: Mr. Chameleon, are you accusing me of murder? Then I say your implications are lies, horrible lies. And I say, Mr. Chameleon, that what you say is true. Every word is true. Eloise would have been glad to see my father dead if Dick...
5: One thing is certain, Lucy. You both love Dick Reynolds. Eloise, now tell me, what did your husband think of this boy?
3: He forbade Lucy to marry him, forbade her to see him. My husband hated him.
5: I should like to meet Dick Reynolds. Both the man's young wife and his young daughter love him, yet he hated him. Why? Could one of you here have joined with Reynolds to clear the way to your own passionate desires by murder...
3: With my father dead in this house, you come with your callous, brutal questionings to torture and persecute. By
7: what right? By
5: the right of an officer of the law who sees both a motive for murder and a singularly inviting opportunity.
7: Here's the thing that'll settle the case, Mr. Chameleon. What is it,
5: Detective Arnold?
7: If the medical examiner knows what he's talking about, it's the same
5: poison that killed Herbert Martin. Where'd you find it?
7: In a baking powder can in the kitchen. Pretty clever,
5: huh?
3: Poison? What? Why, it's the insecticide Dick Reynolds bought for those greenhouse flowers he's trying to grow. I guess he forgot it.
5: Or used it in the poisoning of your husband. Now we have fenced long enough. Tell me, where does Dick Reynolds live and don't lie?
3: Don't tell him, Eloise. He has a flat at 616 Sutton
7: Drive.
5: Dave, you assigned Detective Foley and his men to watch these two women. Don't let them out of sight. Okay, Mr. Chameleon. And then what? Come with me to see Mr. Dick Reynolds.
7: Good night.
3: Good night. Good night. Now that Mr. Chameleon is gone, Lucy, I want to warn you against talking too much to him. Remember, he's a policeman. Don't arouse his animosity and don't arouse his suspicion. I suppose by that you mean don't say what I think about you, Eloise. This is no time for us to quarrel. We're both in a bad position. Let's not say things we'll be sorry for later. We were in a bad position, Eloise. That is, until... Until what? Until you told Mr. Chameleon and that other detective... The poison used to kill father was Dick Reynolds. Why did you tell him that? Was it because you hate Dick? Because you know he's in love with me? He's not in love with you. And besides, it was his poison. So you say. You and I both know Dick bought that poison. Trying to conceal this would only bring us more trouble and... Oh, Lucy, dear. Please believe me. Whatever you've said against me means nothing as far as I'm concerned. I'll never forget you're your father's daughter. And I loved him. You loved him. You don't know what love is. I warn you again, Lucy. Be careful what you say.
1: And now, in the apartment of Dick Reynolds, we hear Mr. Chameleon saying...
5: So you admit that you were in the kitchen when Lucy and Eloise were preparing the dinner that resulted in Herbert Martin's death?
8: Yes, I I was, Mr. Chameleon.
5: And then you left? Yes. Why? I had another engagement. Well, didn't Herbert Martin invite you to stay for dinner? Oh, yes, yes, he did, but I, I, I couldn't do it. It is better to tell the truth than to lie in these situations, Mr. Reynolds. Why should I lie? Is it criminal to refuse a dinner invitation when one has another date? You did not stay because you were not asked to stay. You know and I know that Herbert Martin hated you. Wouldn't have you in his house. His wife, Eloise, told me as much. Eloise? She did, did she? And this baking powder can, she told me that it was yours. Do you deny that too? It contains the rest of the poison that murdered Herbert Martin. Well, what about it? Where'd you get it? Why, I... And why did you get it? Is carrying a can of deadly poison a habit of yours? I was told to get it. it for killing insects on flowers. Show me your greenhouse. I want to see those flowers. And who told you to buy that poison? I don't
8: remember. Where are
5: the flowers? Let me see them. I haven't started growing them yet. It's too early. But not too early to kill a man who forbade you his house, a man who had to be gotten out of the way before you could marry his daughter, or... Now listen, Mr. Camellia. Or widow his wife and marry her. All right, which was it? I'm very much interested. You're hurling a pack of preposterous
8: accusations at me. That's what you're doing. Looking for a victim. I've read how you cops trick people.
5: Well, and perhaps you've read the law of circumstantial evidence. It operates on the principle that a murderer rarely invites an audience to watch him kill his victim. I take it that Lucy and Eloise left the kitchen for a moment, and in that moment, you poisoned the food intended for Herbert Martin. But
8: why? Why should I do that?
5: You can answer that one better than I can.
8: Since Eloise is doing so much talking, did she happen to tell you that another attempt was made to poison Herbert Martin less than a month ago? Did she tell you that? What? Another attempt? Who? You or Eloise? Not me and not Eloise. The woman Herbert Martin chucked when he met Eloise and married her. Just seven days to the day after he first set eyes on her.
5: Who told you that, Reynolds? Or is this um, another fairy story? It's no fairy story, Mr. Chameleon. I overheard the whole thing with my own ears. Tell me
8: about it, Reynolds. Well, I... I'd sneaked into Martin's house one afternoon to see Lucy. Had no idea he was home. Then I heard his voice and this woman's... Mabel Woods. Well, you mean the showgirl, Mabel Woods? I've heard of her. That's the one, Mr.
5: Comedian. She was all set to marry Herbert Martin. And was she wild? And exactly what happened that afternoon? I
8: didn't want Martin to catch me in the house, so I slipped behind a big screen in the hall. And then? Well, I couldn't help overhearing everything that was said. And Mr. Martin
2: was saying to Mabel Woods... Listen, Mabel, are you completely out of your mind coming to this house? What's the idea? What are you after?
9: I'll give you three guesses, Herbie. If you win, you get the box of cigars. Now, what do you think brought me?
2: To make trouble between me and my wife.
9: Oh, yeah, your wife. Your lovely, innocent little snake, charm.
2: I don't want to hear anything more about my wife from you. No? I think I made things pretty clear how you and I stood when I told you I was going to marry her. I told you flat. It was love at first sight. I'd never realized before what love really was. Oh,
9: never too old to love, huh, Herbie?
2: 46 is not old. That's what you used to tell me, Mabel.
9: Oh, one of my best lines. But I guess I didn't put it across. And did I rehearse it? I ran through that scene a thousand times.
2: Let's get back to the subject, Mabel. I don't want Eloise to find you in this house.
9: I um, came to tell you something, Herbie. Something I've got an idea you'd like to hear.
2: I ask you again, what do you want?
9: I want to tell you that I've been exposed to the same disease you've got. I'm in love, Herbie. And it's not with you. I'm inviting you to my wedding.
2: To... To your wedding?
9: The lucky guy is Jim Carrington, the biggest producer on Broadway. Oh, how I love that boy. When I see him, it's like pouring champagne down my back.
2: Oh, <laughs> But this is wonderful, Mabel. I, I can't tell you how happy it makes me.
9: Now, don't rub it in, Herbie. Let's have a drink instead. I see the makings over here. Shall I mix a couple?
2: A toast to happiness.
9: Here you are, Herbie. Here's to both our weddings.
2: <laughs> <coughs> Mabel, what have you put on this drink? You're trying to poison me. Now get out of this house and get out fast before I call the police. You dirty double-crosser. Get out.
5: Get out.
8: That's exactly what happened, Mr. Chameleon.
5: A wonderful story, Reynolds. If true. Dave, we're about to go backstage at the Bijou Theater. Goodbye, Mr. Reynolds. You don't believe me? Remember what I said about circumstantial evidence. In the murder of Herbert Martin... It points to you.
1: Mr. Chameleon and the Dinner of Death murder case continues in just a moment. The fast relief you want when you have an ordinary headache and the gentle, dependable relief that's so important to your health are both yours when you use genuine Bayer aspirin. It relieves pain with amazing speed because it's actually ready to go to work in two seconds. And even more important, it's one thing you can take with complete confidence because of its record of use by millions of normal people without ill effect, a record that no other pain reliever can match. So when you're suffering from a headache or the pains of neuritis or neuralgia, don't experiment with drugs that have not been proved by years of successful use. For the two most important kinds of relief Fast relief and dependable relief do as millions do. Be sure with Bayer Aspirin. When you buy, ask for it by its full name, Bayer Aspirin, not just for aspirin alone. Get the 100 tablet bottle and you get Bayer Aspirin tablets for less than a penny apiece. And now back to Mr. Chameleon and the Dinner of Death murder case. Mr. Chameleon is investigating the murder of Herbert Martin, who was poisoned while at dinner with his wife and daughter, both of whom are suspect, as is Dick Reynolds, with whom both women are in love and who bought the poison. But Dick Reynolds says that Mabel Woods, a showgirl who was discarded by Martin, tried to poison him once before. So we find Mr. Chameleon now saying to Mabel Woods, Miss Woods, my name is Chameleon.
5: I am from Central Police Headquarters.
9: Wondering whether I killed off Herbert Martin, I
4: suppose.
5: Did you?
9: I just heard over the radio he passed out about 7 o'clock tonight, right?
5: He was poisoned sometime between 6 and 7. Where were you at that time?
9: I never left this theater all afternoon. We had a special rehearsal of one scene. One of the leads got sick, and we had to run through the scene a few times with his understudy.
5: You can prove this, of course.
9: Do you think I'd tell you this if I couldn't prove it? I'm not that dumb. This show's got a cast of 80 people, not counting stagehands, property men, electricians, and all the rest. Ask any one of them where I was, they'll tell you. I was right here.
5: I guess that's good enough, Miss Woods. Tell me, you tried to poison Herbert Martin yourself a couple of weeks ago, or do you deny that?
9: I put a little something in his drink. Yeah, that's what you mean. But it wasn't poison. Just something funny tasting. I was trying to scare the guy. That was all. Who told you?
5: A little bird. Oh, wise guy. And the little bird's name was Dick Reynolds.
9: Oh, he did, Daddy. He? Well, let me tell you this, Mister Chameleon. If I was a cop, I'd go after Reynolds and Eloise Martin. There's plenty up between those two.
5: I am beginning to believe that you should be a cop, Mabel. Anyway, thanks a lot. So long.
7: Get anything out of Mabel Woods, Mr.
5: Chameleon? She is definitely out of the picture, Dave. But at least it looks that way. She's sure that it was Dick Reynolds and Eloise.
7: I'll bet my right arm Reynolds didn't have any part of killing Herbert Martin. No? No. Martin had himself mixed up between three dames, and one's enough for any guy to get himself bumped off. That wife, Eloise, she's on the make. His daughter, Lucy, Martin wouldn't let her marry Reynolds. And there's that little number from the gaieties back there, Mabel Woods. She tried it once.
5: Dave, go out to Dick Reynolds' apartment, trying to find more of that poison there, and then do this. Tell Reynolds that he needs a first-class criminal lawyer badly. You mean... You want to talk to him in disguise? Yes. As the famous criminal lawyer, Charles Watson Faddle. If I can frighten him enough, he may tell me what I want to know.
8: Oh, it's you, Detective Sergeant Arnold. How are you? Where's your partner, the famous Mr. Chameleon? Does he still think I killed Herbert Martin?
7: He sure does. But between ourselves, Mr. Reynolds, I don't think you did. I think Chameleon's on the wrong track. But it's time somebody on this case started thinking straight. Mr. Chameleon told me to search your place for some more of that poison.
8: Go ahead and search it. There's none
7: here. I'm going to tell you something, Mr. Reynolds, that I've got no right telling you. You're on a tough spot, and Mr. Chameleon is a tough guy. What you need is a good criminal lawyer, and fast. A, a criminal lawyer? Never met one in my life. I promise you'll never tell I put you on this guy, and I'll send you to one. He's the smartest mouthpiece in any man's town. Who is he, Arnold? His name is Charles Watson Farrell. And if he thinks you're on the up and up, he'll take you on. If he doesn't... Then what? He'll still take you on. Where can I see him? I think I can get him here to see you tonight. What do you say? As soon as you can, Detective Sergeant Arnold. As soon as you can.
1: So, a short time later, we see Mr. Chameleon disguised as the famed criminal lawyer Charles Watson Farrell in Dick Reynolds' apartment, saying...
5: But claiming that you're innocent isn't enough, Mr. Reynolds. Remember, you have a district attorney to face, a judge, and a jury. So you, you think Chameleon is going to arrest me, Mr. Farrell? What he said to you about circumstantial evidence pointing to you is enough in itself. And then, let's not disregard this. The poison was traced to you. You were in the kitchen when the death food was being prepared. Your relationship with Herbert Martin himself, with his daughter... And his wife would would sound bad, very, very bad for you in a criminal court. Personally, I would not be surprised if Chameleon stepped into this room any minute and arrested you. I knew with Chameleon after me I'd never have a chance. Well, he is not the smartest cop in the world. I have met smarter ones. But I'll give him credit for one thing. He has sent many a man to his execution. On circumstantial evidence, I suppose. Exactly, Mr. Reynolds. And the circumstantial evidence in this case is that the purchase of the poison that killed Herbert Martin was traced to you. And admitted by you. I see. And that, if you will pardon the figure of speech, is enough to hang you, Reynolds. And Mr. Farrell... You're advising me to confess
8: to a crime I swear I didn't commit.
5: No, no, no. Not at all. I am advising you to tell me who got you to buy that poison. Without that information, I cannot see myself going into court to defend you. I'll risk conviction before
8: I tell you or any living soul that, Mr. Farrell.
5: That settles the thing, Mr. Reynolds. I cannot take your case.
7: Good night. I was listening to every word you said, Mr. Farrell, alias Chameleon.
5: Dave, you did smart work on Reynolds getting me in there in disguise.
7: As the famous mouthpiece, Charles Watson Farrell, but you didn't get much out of him.
5: On the contrary, Dave, I am ready to make the arrest. What? That's it. Now, go back, get Reynolds... Bring him to the murdered man's home, to Herbert Martin's. But who did it, Mr. Chameleon? I think that you will enjoy hearing the answer more when we have all the suspects cornered in Herbert Martin's home. Hurry along and get Reynolds, Dave. Okay, Mr. Chameleon.
8: have I been dragged into this house chameleon?
5: To be accused of murder, Dick Reynolds. And I caution you that anything you say will be taken down and can be used as evidence. Well, write down then that I didn't kill Herbert Martin. You bought the poison that killed him? I admit that, but I didn't poison him. You were in the kitchen when the poison was mixed with Herbert Martin's food. I charge you with mixing his dinner of death. That's a lie. I didn't go near his food. Well, then who did? Nobody did.
8: At least I didn't see anybody. No
5: good, Reynolds. I say you bought the poison, and I say you used it to kill a man. I tell you again, Chameleon, I didn't use it. Well, then why did you have it? Why did you buy it? Or are you about to claim again that you bought it for somebody else? I... It's enough, Reynolds. You've lied all the way through. I arrest you for the murder of Herbert Martin, and I promise you a quick trial and a quick execution. Dave, handcuff him.
3: No, no, Mr. Chameleon, you're wrong. Dick is innocent. <laughs> Heaven forgive me. I killed my father.
5: Lucy, Lucy, don't say that. No, no, be quiet, Dick. This is exactly what I've been waiting for. But I
3: didn't mean to kill you, Mr. Chameleon. Oh, why did this have to happen? I must have been insane. I couldn't stand father's being made a fool of by this woman. Lucy, you killed my husband. You killed your father. Oh, you horrible girl. I tried to kill you, Eloise. That's who I tried to kill. No, Dave, hold
7: her. Watch out for her. I've got her, Mr. Chameleon. Take it easy, baby. I tried
3: to kill her. I wanted her dead, and I want her dead now.
5: You gave your father the poison dinner by mistake. You gave him the plate that you intended for Eloise. Isn't that it?
3: And you'd have never found out if I hadn't told you, Mr. Camille. I only told you to save Dick from the horrible mistake you were making. Arresting him.
8: Lucy,
5: darling, I'd have stood up to the end. And so you would have, Dick. That's why I had to persist in my mistake. The mistake that saved you and threw Lucy into the hands of the law. Take her along, Dave. And, on the way, explain my motto. The guilty must be punished, and the innocent must be protected at any cost.
1: And with these words, Mr. Chameleon concludes tonight's murder case. There's nothing as important as fast relief when you have an ordinary headache, neuritic or neuralgic pain. And millions who want very fast relief use Bayer Aspirin, for Bayer Aspirin is ready to go to work almost instantly. Within two seconds after you take it, it starts to disintegrate, and that's why relief comes so quickly. Remember this. And remember too that Bayer Aspirin is one thing you can take with complete confidence. We say this because no other pain reliever can match Bayer Aspirin's record of use by millions of normal people without ill effect. So for fast, reliable relief from headache or the pains of neuritis or neuralgia, use genuine Bayer Aspirin. And when you buy, ask for it by its full name, Bayer Aspirin. Never buy the name Aspirin alone. Get the 100 tablet bottle and you get Bayer Aspirin tablets for less than a penny apiece. piece. Listen next Wednesday night at this same time for Mr. Chameleon, The Man of Many Faces in The Handprint on the Ceiling Murder Case. The part of Mr. Chameleon is played by Carl Swenson with dialogue by Frank Hummert from the original story by Frank and Anne Hummert. Music directed by Victor Arden. Your announcer is Howard Claney. Now, at last, you can get an utterly new, radically different, incredibly better toothpaste. It's revolutionary new Lion's toothpaste. And it's better because thousands of laboratory tests on scores of individual teeth show that it actually gets teeth brighter. Two and a half to five and a half times brighter than any of the five leading brands. Brighter by far than any other toothpaste. New Lion's toothpaste does this because it's a new kind of toothpaste with a formula that's completely new, radically different. A toothpaste that cleans without soap, polishes without chalk. Try it. By Lion's Toothpaste. Listen for Mr. Chameleon in The Handprint on the Ceiling murder case next Wednesday night at this time. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
0: Welcome back. I loved how they emphasized at the start that this was an average home just like anyone else's and then told us it was the maid's day off. The whole subplot with the showgirl felt like a bit of padding for a mystery without a whole lot to it. Her attempt to spike the dead man's food several weeks earlier couldn't have really had much to do with the poisoning since she was nowhere near this average American home. Uh, The actress that played her had a voice that reminded me of Joan Davis, a popular comedian who had several radio programs. We actually heard part of one last year uh, when Howard Duff guest starred uh, when we were featuring Sam Spade. I wonder if that was the actress's natural way of speaking or an affectation based on Davis. I couldn't find any specific law of circumstantial evidence which Chameleon stated like it was a legal principle or some sort of scientific law. I mean, there are general rules about circumstantial evidence, but there's no such thing as a set law that I was able to find. The lawyer disguise may have been one of the most uh, uh, potentially problematic disguises Chameleon's used. But it would probably only be a real problem if he actually had been trying to prosecute the guy he'd been questioning. As it is, it was just a bit pointless, really. We could have had the same confrontation in front of the two women based on uh, the uh, suspect's refusal to answer the question about the poison and gotten the same result. One thing I will give Chameleon credit for is making as good a recovery as humanly possible after mistaking the wife of the victim for the dead man's daughter. That was a really tough one to recover from. Well, now we turn to listener comments and feedback. And Roncer says, It is interesting to me that Carl Swenson played old man on TV throughout the 60s. Several guest appearances on Perry Mason and other popular shows of the time. He always appeared in disguise until his role in Little House on the Prairie when he was actually an old man. Well, thanks for the comment, Ryan, sir. So that's the fate of character actors. Reminds me of Abe Vigoda. Bagoda had a long career as an actor, going back to 1947, but didn't really get famous until the 70s for his role in The Godfather and later Barney Miller. And there was a video theater episode in which Vagoda had a small part, and I was curious about it, because it was from 1949. And so we watched the TV episode, and, you know, Abe Vagoda was 28 at the time, but he was wearing makeup and playing a guy who was middle-aged or older in this production of Two Sharp Knives. And then we had a comment from Pat, uh, who uh, writes... To me, the disguise thing is the least compelling part of the Mr. Chameleon show. For me, it's about his vaguely sophisticated personality and slightly British accent, his chemistry with Detective Sergeant Dave Arnold, and when he messes with and gets angry with all of the high society suspects. I love it. And Betsy agreed, I listen to many, I love the recurring voices, especially the older woman who plays the maid, Gertrude in this case, it's campy fun. Well, thank you so much, appreciate the comments. And I think there's definitely a point to it with the whole disguise thing not being the most important fact. The Hummerts did four different half-hour network detective programs. And I think there's a case to be made that three of them are essentially the same show. Mr. Keene's Racer of Lost Persons was the first one. Then Mr. Chameleon. And then Hearthstone of the Death Squad. And the other show is Inspector Thorne, which I'll talk about how that was slightly different. But essentially, each of these series featured a lead who generally investigated murder cases involving wealthy or prominent people in some way. As we talked about, Mr. Keene had a different original take, but by the post-war era, that was what he was doing. And the hero had a faithful sidekick. And the hero was if not exactly British, they were kind of... They were in that sort of... upper-class, mid-Atlantic accent. The mysteries follow the exact same formula. You have the exact same type of suspects. They are exactly the same programs. And the reason was that they were popular. And honestly... Television networks, studios, they do the same thing today. I mean, I don't think they're quite as obvious or flagrant about it as the Hummerks were, but they do essentially the same thing. I mean, each of these series has got a very superficial thing that separates it from the other series. But it is really superficial, and probably just so that they could you know, make the pitch to the network. Well, this is what the series is about. Okay, well, you've got other highly rated shows on our network, so we'll buy this one, too. And I think that those programs had an audience, and to an extent, they still do today. Now, Inspector Thorne was different, because, first of all, that series came around in 1951, so they were trying to do a fourth series, But uh, his thing was that he would put himself down as stupid and was humble enough to believe it, but he was actually pretty smart. But he was unambiguously American and not particularly upper class, and so, yeah, that one only lasted 11 weeks. Now, the distinction for Mr. Chameleon also may have been to play to Carl Swenson's strengths, which as we've stated, included his ability to do all of these different voices. And he could be relied upon to do things like dialects as well. And that may have been an incentive for him as an actor you get to star in this nationally broadcast primetime mystery series and you get to create a new character every week. And I do think that that may have been a motivation for that distinction because honestly, I think Carl Swenson was too good for this series as an actor. Having heard examples of of his other work on programs like Romance, I feel he probably could have been a lot more popular and successful as a lead actor, particularly if he had left New York for Hollywood a lot earlier. But again, I guess hindsight's 20-20. And then we have a question from Slake, who writes, Adam Are we ever told what Mr. Chameleon's rank is? I assume a lieutenant or maybe inspector. He only refers to himself as Mr. No, we are never told what his rank is. And it's a really odd thing. I don't know why they did it. It may have been to have people associate it with Mr. Keen, but they could have given him a rank in the series while still keeping the title as Mr. Chameleon, and I don't know why they didn't. It's just one of those elements that, uh, if you're trying to be realistic at all, are important, but which the Hummers didn't think was important. And given the success of the series and how long it was on the air, I can't say they were wrong. Well, now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Nolan, Patreon supporter since April of 2018, currently supporting the podcast at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support. And that will do it for today. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. And if you're enjoying the podcast on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. We will be back next Thursday with another episode of Mr. Chameleon, but join us back here tomorrow for the conclusion of this week's Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar Serial, where back like another ten. Minutes. Very well, very well. It's just that I hate to see what was once a very
6: strong investment program. Very well, Mr. Turnbull, if you insist. Turnbull? Yes. Yes. Good. Goodbye. Now, now, sir. Eric Turnbull, Mr. Wilt? Oh, yes, but... Now, just a minute, sir. It was very remiss of me to mention a client's name in front of you, at least under the circumstances. Whatever I may have said on the phone just now was quite confidential. Yeah, I'm sure it was. I can only ask that you discreetly forget anything you may have heard. Not by a long shot. What's this? Who are you, sir? Dollar, I believe, the receptionist said. That's right, Johnny Dollar, insurance investigator. And that conversation told me just what I came here to try to charm you into telling me. Mr. Dollar, please remember this. That was entirely confidential. None of your business. Here, my credentials. Yeah? Well? Now, you remember something. So far as Eric
0: Turnbull is concerned, my coming here is entirely Confidential. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Instagram, instagram instagram.com slash greatdetectives. And check us out on Twitter, Twitter at uh, Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.